0: liberty in the Lord. Preach to us. Praise the Lord, everybody. The Lord. I'm glad that we don't have to wait till Sunday to, come to the house of the Lord to have church. Amen. Amen. We can do it on a Friday night. Amen. And I know, look, y'all don't have to lie to me. I know most everybody's here for the bounce house and bonfire and all the fun stuff. And I believe that uh, with the help of a swimming pool down there, <laughs> praise God, we're going to have a good time in church tonight. Amen. I don't know if that's okay to come as a guest speaker and then put all this stuff in the middle down here. I asked the pastor and he said, hey, whatever you need. So thank you gentlemen for putting this together and helping me out there we go God knows what he's doing and the hose pipe and everything praise God I do want to say it is such an honor and privilege to be here with my beautiful wife and my three handsome wild monkeys I mean boys and to Pastor Fishburne the leadership of the church thank you so much for having us and everybody has been so kind to us we had a basket in our room and just first class. And I appreciate that. And so I'm excited about what God's going to do here tonight. We uh, we drove up. I'll give him time. I'll talk to you for a second. You can sit down. Everybody can sit down for a second. I'm not going to preach long. I know that we've got some activities afterwards. And, uh, I mean, really, I'm doing pretty good. My phone's still in central time, so it's only 630. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I can preach at least an hour and a half and we'll be okay. (laughs) Half everybody just said, no, we're leaving. Praise God. But we uh, had a trip up last night, drove through a monsoon, and uh, it flooded Kentucky. We made it through that. So it's just the will of God that we be here. We're looking forward to Sunday and being with you again. So I I have prayed about this, and and I knew that this was a back-to-school revival. And so I didn't bring the swimming pool because I'm teaching a Sunday school lesson. We're going to leave that there for a minute and just preach. Brother, that's probably enough for me to get my feet wet. And they already got it cut off. They know exactly what they're doing. God bless you, sir. Thank you so much. But uh, anyway, we are so glad to be here. And I want to take my text first from Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. So if you'll stand, if you have your Bibles with you, you can get those out. And uh, the Holy Ghost is going to help us tonight. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in Titus 2, this is written as, as instruction to a young minister. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Thank God for His grace. And it teaches us that denying ungodliness, now look at that, the grace of God can teach you to deny ungodliness, worldly lust, that you should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Everybody say, that's today. today. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity. All of it. Everything that's going on in the world today, every sin, all the unlawless, God was sufficient. To redeem us from that. And that he would purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Everybody say, God is interested in me. me. Romans 5, 19-21, it says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Everybody said, "Thank thank you, Adam. And so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous you say you would say thank you jesus right there moreover the law entered that the offense might abound but where sin abounded grace did much more abound that as sin hath reigned unto death even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by jesus christ our lord thank god for his grace i want you to help me pray right now if you could lift up your voice in the name of jesus God, we want your word to have full course in this service tonight. God, that somebody's life would be impacted. God, that you would move in such a miraculous, mighty way. Let your word find fertile ground in the ear of every hearer. In the name of Jesus, we want you to move tonight. Let your will be done in each and every one of us. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Why don't you shake somebody's hand beside you now that you're sitting down? Say, hey, neighbor. Praise God. I guess uh, I'll start. We're going to preach tonight from this title, Extended Grace. Extended Grace. God has extended His grace to us. We live in the dispensation of grace. And thank God for that. Uh, The definition simply of extended is something that is drawn out in time or to be fully stretched out. And the definition of grace, according to the dictionary, would be unmerited divine assistance given to humans for regeneration or sanctification. The problem with that is that the world has misconstrued God's grace. They've abused grace. They've made it nothing more than a byword. We just throw it into any sentence. Well, thank God for His grace. When really they don't have an understanding of what God's grace really is in the life of a believer. The world has also used God's grace as a license to live immorally, yet still feel comfortable in salvation. Well, they would say, well, by grace are we saved. And so by that simple statement, the world would say, well, I can do anything I want to do. I can do any sin I want to do, and I'm okay. But that's not the Word of God. That's not what the Word of God teaches us. Amen. I can tell you grace is not earned, but it did have a price. Grace is not a thing that God has stored up in dishes that He just randomly tosses out to His pastor. But grace is there and available for each and every one of us. And grace is not the cherry on top of the moral dilemma that we face in this world today. But what grace is, is it is God's unmerited favor to a lost and dying world. To make up all of our shortcomings and all of our unrighteousness. The Bible lets us know God's grace, it is saving and it is sufficient in the middle of our situation. That it teaches us, that it justifies us, and it's abounding and it's available for you today. Amen. God's grace is available for you today. It doesn't matter what walk of life you come from, whether you were raised in church or whether you just walked into church on a Friday night. It doesn't matter if you drove in a car or rode a van. It doesn't matter how your hair looks. God's grace is available for you today. Amen. You can be seated. Let me talk to you about grace for a minute. Uh, Grace is something that we see starting in Genesis chapter 1. Adam and Eve are living in a perfect paradise with God. They're in perfect relation with God. There's nothing separating them. They were created to be the friend of God. And so early on in Genesis chapter 3, we see where grace is needful in the life of man. We see that Adam and Eve, they fall into temptation and to sin at the tree. And in, in their fallen state, when God comes to commune with them, they hide themselves from God. And that's just how sin works in the life of man today. It it makes you want to turn away and separate yourself because God's not going to have any communion with uncleanliness. And that's how sin works in our lives today. But thank God, He made a way. Thank God He would look down at Adam and Eve and He would say, in your nakedness, in your uncleanliness, those fig leaves that you've wrapped around you, those will never do. There's going to be a clothing. There's going to be a shedding of blood. There's going to be some sheepskins put on you because there has to be something that covers your sin to put you back into good standing with me. Thank God for His grace. You see, God could have looked at Adam and Eve and said, no. Sorry. You messed up and I'm done with you. But because of his grace, because of his love, he had a plan for us. He knew what was going to happen and he had established a plan that would bring us back into a perfect unity with him. You know, in God's grace today, I can look and I can see God wrapping himself in flesh and walking on this earth, and enduring sin just like we endured it, and becoming that sacrifice, that bloodshed, that had to be applied to my life through the waters of baptism in order for me to be saved. Because it wasn't the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that all should be saved, that all should straighten their lives out and move into perfect relationship with Him. Our text told us in Titus 2 and 11, that the grace of God bringeth salvation. That tells me, brothers and sisters, that we will be without excuse. That because of that salvation, because of the grace of God, because of Him sacrificing Himself on that cross for us, that when that day comes, whether it be a natural death, or whether it be the trumpet sounding and Him calling out His church, that we will be without excuse. And I can look at our lives and see that there's two places that grace does not apply anymore. Either at that death, grace isn't going to do me any good after I'm gone. It's not going to bring me into good standing. It's not able to teach me anymore. Everything I've done at that point is locked in. And I'm not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised to walk out of here and enjoy a fellowship with CLT tonight. So, what I do right now, the response I have to the preached word of God in this church service tonight may make all of the difference in what happens in eternity. You see, I'm faced with a a choice in this service tonight. How will I respond? What will I do? What is my thought process going through? Am I thinking, you know what, I'm just ready to get out of here? Or am I waiting to that place when I can step closer in to the grace of God? Because He's extended His grace to a church service tonight. And you're not here by mistake. God has a special calling on each and every person's life tonight. And God's not slacking His promise. And God's hand is not short. It's extended. His grace is extended for you tonight. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. The other place that I can see where grace doesn't matter anymore is when we reach that time when the trumpet sounds. Either way, while you're breathing, don't wait to find grace. Don't wait to reach your hand out and touch His majesty and His glory. That's represented in this place. I can't wait to find grace. I don't want to be too late to step in to what God's doing. The first mention of grace in the Word of God is Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. God says that He sees all the wickedness of man, that His thoughts were evil continually, and it repented God. This is a Sunday school lesson. God wanted to turn His back. On everything that he created. But Noah found grace in his sight. Thank God for grace that would save Noah and his family. Because you see, there was a time that was coming. Matthew 24 tells us that there was a time where people were giving in marriage. And they were eating and they were drinking. They were so busy, Brother Pinkerton. They were so caught up in what they wanted to do in in daily life. They were so caught up in Instagram and Facebook and social media. They were so caught up in their careers and 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 they were so caught up in their daily interactions with people that they had put in God they had put God on the back burner. And because of that, God looked at that people and He said, "It repents me that I even created them." And in Matthew 24, he says that the coming of the Son of Man will be just like that, Pastor. It'll be just like that day when they're so busy that they can't come to church on a Friday night and spend some time with me. They're so busy in the other things they're caught up in. But that's what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back for his church. Thank God for His grace. Thank God for His grace that's extended to me and you today. Hallelujah. I don't know what I'd do without God's grace. You know, we've got a bunch of kids that are getting ready to go back to school. You can be seated. And I was thinking about preaching this message. And the Bible tells us that His His grace, that it teaches us that it can guide us, it can lead us, it can keep us, it can save us, it sanctifies us. And for these young people, I guess most of them go to, to public school. And and we know the, the things that back in the 90s and the 2000s, they were just trying to get the, the Bible. You see, this is how the world works. They don't just want a little bit. That's how the devil operates. When you fall into sin... It's not just a little bit of addiction, but He wants your whole life. He wants to take everything you've got. It's not just a little immorality. It's not just one look. It's not just one word. It's not just one one misstep. But He wants to consume everything. And so when I started to prepare for this, I thought about all of these I say children, maybe some of you aren't. Maybe some of you are going back to college or you're in high school. And I started thinking about the school system. And and it started with them taking the Word of God and taking prayer. They just wanted to remove God from the schools. And so now we see in 2020, 2021, 2022, they're going to take it another step. You see, the world will take... A sign that was given to Noah as a promise, as a covenant, as a reminder to God that I'm not going to destroy the earth again by water because of their wickedness. That, that, that rainbow was a special thing. And the world wants to take that and pervert it and let it be a sign that represents something that the Bible tells me is an abomination to God. And so then they want to take something like that, that agenda. And I'm being careful with my words. They want to take that agenda, and it's a broad agenda. And they want to infiltrate our schools with it. They want to push it in in second, third, fourth, fifth grade to try to indoctrinate our kids to believe something that the Bible tells me is unpleasing to God. The Bible tells me that this is truth and that anything else from that, any of man's teachings, let man be a liar and that this truth I can stand on and this truth I can find salvation in and I can find instruction in. But you see the, the, the world, they're not okay with that. They would rather take that agenda and feed it to your kids than to feed this word of God to them. And that baffles me. It makes my head it, it makes my, my head just not make I, I can't think about it. It confounds me. That something as holy as the Word of God and, and as as great as this word is, and, and it, it can teach our kids to love their neighbor. And it can teach our kids to walk right and perfect before the Lord and acceptable to Him. It can teach them how to dress. It can teach them how to talk. And they would take this out and put all this other garbage in. And so as I was preparing for this tonight, I was thinking about it being a back-to-school revival. And I was thinking about the kids and the things that you guys face. And even if it's not at school, it may be at the gym, it may be at the park playing ball, it may be on your tablet or your computer. The devil's good at what he does. And if there's a generation that I've ever seen Facing something, it's this one right now. And the point I'm trying to tell you is that I'm preaching about extended grace tonight. God has His grace extended to the church and to the people of God and to the people under the sound of my voice. And so when you come in here on a Friday night or a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a midweek service, you've got to get so far deep into the grace of God. Because it's something that will keep you. It will protect you. It will teach you. Young people, as you walk into that school, you need God's grace so wrapped around you in order to navigate. So, 1 Peter 4, 7 tells us that we're getting close to the end of times. That this thing is getting ready to wrap up. It says, but uh, the end of all things is at hand. To be sober means have your head clear. Think about what you're doing. Listen to a preacher. Listen to a pastor that's trying to let you know how hey, you're walking into things that can damage you. Be sober. Be prayerful. Be careful of what you're doing. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity, it will cover a multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. There may be some people in your school. They look real cool picking on people. They look real cool being the bully and being the one that throws their weight around. You don't have to act like them. You don't have to buddy up with them. Our text said God was looking for a peculiar people. He's not looking for one that gets all the laughs. And He's not looking for one that dresses the coolest. He's looking for one that's peculiar. He's looking for one that's set apart. He's one. He's looking for one that's called by His name. Your conversation should be different. Verse 10 says... As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, and good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So what does that mean, Brother Brantley? Well, the manifold grace of God, that word manifold right there comes from the Greek word "pokilos," And that means of many designs or characteristics. And so when I talk about God's grace being extended in the earth today, there are many types of characteristics of God's grace that we can look. And I can find in the Word of God that there are at least seven types of God's grace. Ephesians 2 tells us of a saving grace. And Hebrews 13 says there's a teaching grace. And Hebrews, or Romans 5 talks about abounding grace. And 2 Thessalonians says that there's hope through Grace. Titus gives us justification by grace. 2 Corinthians, sufficient grace. Let me tell you something right there. God's grace is sufficient. You may have come in here tonight, going through a trial, going through a storm. You may have a situation in your life that you've said, God, I want you to move this out of the way. And it may not be a moving Grace. But it's a sufficient grace. It's a grace that's there to carry you through. God may not move that out of your way. God may give you sufficiency to walk through it, though, if you'll get in His grace. And then there's a helping grace in James 4 and 6. You can be seated. You see, though, this is just how the Word of God works. Because Hebrews 12... I wouldn't be preaching the Word of God if I just took one verse out of it and made a really nice, pretty sermon. Okay? Righteousness works both ways. Grace will work both ways. The Word of God works both ways. There's always going to be a reciprocal to whatever God says. I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you. There's always going to be another side. So Hebrews 12, 15 says, Look diligently. Everybody say that with me. Look diligently. Lest any man say, That's me. Fell of the grace of God. So my Bible tells me I can fall from God's grace. I don't want to fall from His grace. I want to get so close To God's grace. You see, I, I don't, if I'm gonna live in grace, I don't just wanna come kinda tap around in it a little bit, maybe slosh a little out onto somebody else beside me. That's not how God intended grace to be. God wants you to get into His manifold grace, He wants you to come in and just step all around in it. Because you see, when I get in God's grace, I'm covered in it now. That's God's extended grace. And you say, well, my goodness, you just got your feet wet. You just got your pants. Well, watch this right here. Because when when I get in that grace, when I get in this grace and I walk out on a Monday to go to school, guess what I'm taking with me? Whoa! Guess, Guess what I can hear sloshing around in my feet? And on that that midweek service, I come back in. Hallelujah. And I get a little more of his grace. I get a little more covered in it. Whoa, it's teaching me. It's It's sanctifying. His grace said, don't go right there. His grace said, don't talk to them. Or maybe his grace said, you need to go be friends with that girl right there. Come on, sister. And, 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 and you need to be friends with that brother right there. Walk with me. God's grace will lead you where you need to go. Come on, brother. I met him earlier. God, God will lead you to people. They may need a word from God. They may be going through something. And you just went to church on a Sunday or a Friday. And you dance around till your feet are dripping with this grace. And it's leading you. And it's guiding you. Because there was somebody at school. They were on their, their last straw. They said, you know what? I can't take it anymore. People have made fun of me. My home life's a wreck. Mommy and Daddy are doing drugs. Things that... I don't know what else to do. And you walked in with grace. See, all around you. And it was sloshing on your feet. And it was dripping off of you your skirt or your pants. And God carried you through something. And see the trouble with grace. What do you think happens if I stay out here away from it long enough? Well, right now I can hear it sloshing around in my shoes and I can feel it on my feet. If I walk away long enough, it's going to dry up I'm not going to hear it anymore I don't have God's covering I don't have that direction anymore I'm I'm trying to navigate with my eyes closed through a world that's trying to get me a world that would want to see me lost and so every chance I get it doesn't matter if you're four years old or you're 104 every chance I get I've got to make it back to that old-fashioned altar. I've got to say, God, I'm a sinner. And I've done some things, and I'm, I'm just a mess, God. But I've come back, and I want, to, I want to get back in your graces again. I need it. I've got to have it, because I can't walk around without you. I can't walk around without His grace. I'll never make it. His extended grace is in this room. I'm closing if the musicians would come. There's a minister. He passed away in 2007. He wrote a book. His name's Reverend Charles Mahaney. Maybe you know of him. His book was The Call of Freedom. And in his book, you can look him up online, his, his biographies on there. This man had a mama. She was a prayer. He had a daddy that was a drunk. And Brother Mahaney, as a young child, never got in church. And in fact, his mom backslid for a long time. And this boy, at eight years old, who's eight years old in here? Come up here, bud. At eight years old, was an alcoholic. Can you imagine a young boy like this? Right. In his testimony, Brother Mahaney says that he was involved in gangs, that he dabbled in the occult. They would worship devils in the graveyards at night. There's one instance where they told him, we don't want you in this town because you're such a troublemaker. This man was the worst of the worst of the worst and he grew up like that in and out of jail involved in gangs and in his testimony he says the second to the last time that he saw his mom he was running from the police he was drunk he was high And he made it to his mama's house and he passed out on the front porch and he woke up with his head laying in his mama's lap and she was praying god give him grace don't let my boy die god do something And he said he woke up and he realized where he was at and what was going on. And he cussed her. He said, get your hands off of me. Don't you pray over me. Come on. So she got back in church. His daddy passed away. God's grace was still extended to this man. got a phone call one day they said your mama's on her deathbed if you want to see her probably need to come to the hospital the last words out of her mouth as he walked into that hospital room he said tears were running out of her eyes and she put her hand up she said charles Go back to the church. It was her last conversation with her boy. He was in his 20s at that point, if I have the story right. And he would stay in his house after she died, tormented by devils. Causing him to, to inflict himself, to, to do things maybe he didn't want to do and he didn't have an answer. He didn't know which way to turn. He was at the point to where he was ready to give it all up. One day, there to knock at the door. It was the preacher pastor from the Pentecostal church down the road and he said hey God just told me to come knock on your door that you need to come to the church and he said sir I'm so torn oppressed beaten down I can't drink enough. I can't do enough drugs Woo, come on. to get away with what torments me in my mind. I'll come with you because I've tried it all. And in his testimony, when he walked into that church, God's grace began to cover him. And he said there was instantly of freeing, a weight lifted off of me, I felt like I could breathe again. That man repented of his sins right there in that altar. God's grace was extended to him. And after three years of that pastor working with him to finally get him to break free from the drugs, he answered a call to preach. If any of you know his story, he was an incredible man of God, incredible soul winner, incredible preacher, Bible study teacher. The story of God's extended grace covers from creation, it covers from creation. To this moment right now, God's knocking at your door. And I know this is heavy for a back-to-school revival. But what I'm trying to tell you is there's so much stuff in this world that's trying to get His hand on you. Mama, Daddy... that it takes a service like this to where everything every bit of darkness every bit of of challenge every past habit is driven back that the word of God goes forth that your babies can walk into his extended grace so that they can walk back out and make it back again So if you will, stand with me. There's still time. If you've walked away from this, God's grace is still right here in this altar. Now, you know, I don't want anybody down here playing in it. I don't want to make a mess. But in the supernatural, in the spiritual, there's a pool down here for you to bounce around in and for you to roll in and for you to play in so that you can leave here tonight saturated with the presence of God and with the grace of God that you can stand that you can make it so why don't you make your way down everybody come on down I don't know how you do it in this church but this is how we're going to do it tonight boys, girls come on if you don't know what to do just come down to this altar come on I'm calling for you I'm going to put you on the spot Maybe you're a visitor tonight and you don't know how this works. But let me tell you, the Holy Ghost is about to move in this service tonight.
1: There's going to be victory tonight.